Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Um, welcome to church. My name is Keith. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the campus pastor here. And uh, always a privilege, always an honor to get to share the word with you and to open up scripture and dive into it and, and actually just read what, what the Lord put in front of us, the, 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 the amazing tool that he gave us to actually transform us and disciple us. Um, that, that's really what, what the word is, is, is all about in our lives. And so um, if you have your Bible, if you have a real Bible, raise it up. Real Christians, boom. If you have a digital Bible, raise it up. You're kind of real. You're just not as cool as the, the other ones. Um, all going to heaven, though. Don't worry about it. Um, so open up your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. It's kind of cool. As me and Natalie were driving to church this morning, I said, hey, what are you doing for ministry time? And she said she was coming out of the first part of Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm like, awesome. I'm coming out of the last half of Hebrews chapter 12. And we didn't even know it. So I feel like the Lord is definitely on this today. Um, before, we, before we start to read... I want you to look at the person sitting next to you and say, everything is going to be fine. <laughs> it's all, everything's fine. Everything's okay. It's all going to work out. Um, you'll know why I had you do that as we start to read in verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 12. So it says this, And have you forgotten the encouraging words? I love that. The encouraging words God spoke to, spoke to you as his children. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure his divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. I think you can kind of see where we're headed today. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. <clears throat> Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more? I love this. Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good. Come on, say always good. God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. <laughs> I'll read that again. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. Um, today, I, I want to talk to you about the divine discipline of the Lord. So ushers, if you would lock the doors, that'd be great. <laughs> Nobody gets out. <laughs> Nobody really wants to be here for this. Um, but, man, I, I really do. I, I, want to I want us to spend some time as a church family this morning really diving into a side of God that I believe we're supposed to lean into in this season um, and just in general and learn about him because there is a side of him that disciplines and that corrects us as sons and as daughters. Amen. So today I want to I wanna title the message, Hello Discipline. Hello Discipline. Would you pray with me? Lord, we, we, just, we just say thank you um, for what you're doing in our lives, for uh, 
this message today, Holy Spirit, for what you want to do in us. We open up our hearts, um, our souls to you, our mind for you to shape us and to mold us. We honor, we give honor to your word, Jesus, because we know that you are your word and your word is you. And um, we just have an open heart to receive today. Um, shape us, mold us, make us look like you. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. Amen. Um, let's just start here. Have you, have you guys ever met someone, uh, when you first meet them, they're, they, they're super sweet and they're super innocent, but the longer that you get to know them, you realize they have an inner gangster? Anybody, anybody ever met someone like that? Like, they will turn it sideways in a millisecond. You know what I'm saying? And, like, you, you, like, you first meet them, like, oh, they're so sweet. They're so unassuming. They're so innocent. And I'm like, and then, and then you get to know them just a little bit longer. You're like, oh, shoot. Like, she will not play. Like, she's, like, me and, me and Natalie get the privilege of meeting a lot of different people and um, a lot of different kinds of people. And we're like, oh, yeah. That, she's so, that, that woman, yeah, she's so sweet. Oh, my gosh. Every, I, everyone just loves her. And then, like, six months later, we're like, don't mess with that girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, it, it just, it's funny how, like, people have many sides to them, don't they? So do you. So do I. We have many sides to our character, to our nature. Um, and, and the longer that you get to know someone, the, the more chances you get to actually see their different sides. You get to see the, the side that is sweet, but you also get to see the side that it may be, like Natalie said in ministry time, a little bit crazy, you know, a little bit strong. And that's all good. That's all great. In fact, me and, me and Natalie would argue, hey, if you have a little bit of gangster in you, we like you the more. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, just, I love just a little bit of feistiness. But um, I, I, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, God is the same way. I, uh, I remember there, there was this... I, 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 one of my coaches growing up, when I was playing at West Texas A&M, playing in college, I, I had a coach. His name was Coach Hayes. I told this story in first service that I'm, I'm, I'm about to tell you the same thing. Um, little did I know, afterwards, someone came up to me and said, Lee Hayes, Coach Hayes is literally the offensive line coach at Lubbock Cooper. And like I told this whole story, had no idea he was in town. So I actually want this to get back to him, okay? I actually want it to. But uh, Coach Hayes was, was crazy, all right? Uh, he was ex-military, ex-Marine, I believe. And, and he was just one of those guys that you did not want to mess with. And I, one day I learned that there was a side of him that like you just, you did not want to see come out very often. Now, he was... First of all, let me start with this. He was never sweet and he was never innocent. He was already gangster. I just did not know like, how gangster he was. Um, one day we're, it's, we're, we're in Canyon. If you don't know where that's at, it's like an hour and a half north of here. And, and um, it's freezing cold, 30, 30 degrees, maybe, maybe in the 20s. Uh, the wind's blowing, freezing rain. And so all the football team, they take us in the gym to work out. Our workout's in, inside that day. So we go inside, and, and um, they're, they're lining us across uh, the, the court. We're on one sideline, and they're calling groups out. And it's one of those, you guys and girls probably have been a part of this, where you're doing, like, monkey rolls and forward rolls and bear crawls and all that, and they're blowing the whistle, saying this way and then that way. And then they blow it, and you run across to the other sideline. And then, and then you're having to go all the way around the outside of the, of the court and get back in line. Anybody, y'all follow me? Y'all done this before, right? And... So we are just busting our butt that day, and they have it to where they've split up enough groups 
to where when you get back in line, you've got like five seconds to catch your breath before you're the group out on the court doing more stuff. It was a season of like, we're going to weed the team out and we're going to see how mentally tough everyone is. This is what the whole off season was about. And so we're dying and, and we, we do this workout. And, and as, as we're, as we're, you know, kind of getting after it, Coach Hayes, our offensive coordinator at the time, he's standing on one of the corners of the court and he's just, he's got his arms like this and he's just watching. He's watching everybody. And at one point, really early on in the workout, he said in more words than I'm about to use, he told everybody to stop cutting the corners, all right? Because when you have to get back in line really fast, you'd love to cut the corner and get back so you can take just one more extra breath. And he's just standing back here watching. And the longer I watched him, the more I knew, oh, this is not good. This is not going to be good because he was watching everyone, making sure they were going around, get going all the way around that last corner and not cutting the corners. So we get done with our workout. We huddle up as a team. Coach talks to us. We break it out. We're like, oh, sweet. And then all of a sudden we hear the words that nobody wants to hear. And Coach, ha Coach Hayes says, offense over here. And we're like, yep, we did it. This is it. He, he proceeds to take us over after a whole workout. And he's like, everybody on the wall, wall sits. We got five minutes, go. So we're like, we're already done. I can't even do five minutes of wall sits fresh, all right? <laughs> Not to mention, we got like two, 280, 320 linemen who they can't do a wall sit for 30 minutes or 30 seconds, you know what I'm saying? So he lined us all up. We're doing wall sits. Guys are just, I mean, we're, we're making, we're grunting. We're making all kinds of noises. First guy falls. He's like, fine, fine. You can't do wall sits. Push up position. Now let's go. And everybody gets in push up position and we're all shaking. Um, and he is saying things, okay? <laughs> He's just, they are not encouraging things that are, that are coming out of his mouth, right? I mean, he is ripping us. And finally, someone falls doing push-up position. This went on back and forth for a while. And he's like, fine, you can't do that? He's like, and he just stops talking, and he just starts jogging out of the gym. Just takes off. And we're all, like, on the ground. We're like, we all look at each other. Nobody knows, what's to, knows what to do. So we all just get up, and we just start following him. He jogs the whole offense outside of the gym, into the freezing cold weather. Mind you, guys had been working out. They had already pulled their shirts off. Like, we had been sweating in there. It was crazy. And here we go, and he, he's jogging us outside. And, and we're all just, we're jogging, but we're kind of looking at each other like, what the heck is going on? And, and like, what, what, and you could just tell he just, he, he just got into marine mode. And he leads us out on this road outside of the gym in Canyon, freezing cold, freezing rain, and we just start jogging, so we just keep jogging. And all of a sudden, he stops. <laughs> so then all of us stop. <laughs> you know, we're like, what is going on? He's like, everybody in the ditch. We're like, look at each other like, mom, <laughs> like, everybody in the ditch, what? So we're like, he's like, in the ditch. And we're like, okay. So we run over. He has to start doing sit-ups in the ditch, push-ups in the ditch, push-up position. And he kept, had us going. And all of a sudden, he just stopped talking and just started jogging again. So we all look at each other, and we're like, all right. And so we start jogging again. And this went on for like 
I don't know how long. I mean, my man could have ran for, I think, for days if he wanted to. And he slowly let groups go back. Now, side note, one of my favorite parts of the story, which has nothing to do with my message today, but you know there's always the goody-two-shoes on the team. You know the guys that are really in shape and the guys that are trying to prove themselves that they're better than everybody else? And they were running right alongside Coach Hayes the whole time, like almost in front of him. Well, he, when he let the first group go, he made all the goody-two-shoes stay for just one more round, which I was so happy about. Like, that's what you get for, number one, being in better shape than me and being the way that you are. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it was that day, it was that day that, like, we learned, like, okay, there is, we knew he was crazy, but there's a whole other side of Coach Hayes that we do not want to see. You know, just like people have a lot of different sides to them, did you know the same is true with God? God actually has different sides to him. He's full of love. He's full of compassion. He's full of faithfulness and mercy and grace. And those are all parts of his nature. Those are all characteristics that he has. But I'm here today to tell you that it's time that we as believers, that we learn to lean into the side of him that is disciplined that we learn to lean into the part of him, the part of his nature that corrects us, that tells us right from wrong, that makes us tougher, that says, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Hey, you shouldn't be saying this. Hey, you shouldn't be going that direction. You see, the truth is, is it, I could call up every single one of my teammates. They would remember that day and they would all admit, you know what? We needed Coach Hayes' crazy. We needed that other side of him that we hadn't quite seen yet because you know what it actually cr created in us and produced in us? It created a team that was disciplined. It created a, a, a people and men that realized it wasn't okay to cut corners, that sometimes you have to go the extra mile, that hard work actually pays off. And what it actually ended up doing is it created a team that became extremely successful and won a lot of games. And I, I'm just here to tell you today that there is a side of God that will produce and that, that, that will produce and actually grow the winner that is already on the inside of you. And it is a side of him known as discipline. See, there is a side of God that says, hey, don't cut corners. There is a side of God that in some ways as a loving father stands back and watches. Not out of judgment, not to bring the hammer, but that will watch and say, hey, you keep doing this, it's actually not going to be for your benefit and he will bring correction to your life to save you. He will bring discipline to your life to protect you. You know, coming from a word of faith background, we would declare, uh, we just declare that we are in the right place at the right time, saying the right thing, doing the right thing, thinking the right thing. Why? Because we, that's, what, that's what correction, that's what the discipline of the Lord will do is it will, it will lead you to the right path. It will have you saying the right thing, being in the right place at the right time. See, here's the truth. If you're a parent in here, that's actually what you want for your kid, isn't it? You want them in the right place. You want them not doing the wrong thing, but doing the right thing. Well, guess what will get them there? Not them. 
Leave it up to them. They will find themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. You know what keeps them in the right place? Your discipline, your correction, your teaching, you, you coming to them and actually showing them the right way to think and the right way to go, taking them into Scripture and saying, this is what God has for your life. See, there is a side of God that we, that, that we may not like and that, and that sometimes we hope doesn't come out. But it is the very part of him that we all desperately need. I, I believe this with my whole heart. Weak Christians won't make it. When I say won't make it, I'm not saying you won't make it to heaven. But you will struggle here on this earth. Because the truth is, life is flipping hard sometimes. It is hard. And I, I want to be really, really clear with you today. Uh, I'm talking about the nature of God. God, he is, it says that the enemy is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So just, just I want you to know, God doesn't bring tragedy upon you. He doesn't bring death upon you. He is, you know, I always, always use this example you would not just take your kid out um, uh, on, on their bike for the first time and to teach them to watch for cars, just send them out on the freeway and just see if they make it. Just be like, oh, I told you, you should have learned. That's not, what a, that's not what a good dad does. He's not bringing, he doesn't, he doesn't punish or, or he doesn't hurt, not punish. He doesn't hurt you so that you'll learn a lesson. He's good. He's loving. He's kind, but what he will do is he will discipline you. <laughs> he will test your faith. He will, he will bring things into your life where you, that you have to endure and, 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 and maybe keep you from that place that you want to get to because he knows that if you got there too soon and didn't have to walk through a couple of valleys or a couple of hard times, you wouldn't actually have the character to sustain yourself on top of the mountain. There are, there are things that he, it's the way that he works. Discipline, correction, this, do this, don't do this. But it is, it is a part of him. You know, as I was, I was studying this out and just asking the Lord what I, I felt like he wanted to share this weekend, um, I felt like he just gave me one word and he gave me the word nature. And... <clears throat> Like nature. And as soon as he gave me that word, I was, I was brought to Hebrews chapter 12. I could see Hebrews 12 in my mind and like the discipline part in that, in, in that chapter. I'm like, okay. So I went there to read it. I'm like, nature and how is this going together? It's not, you don't think nature and think Hebrews 12. <laughs> and what I believe he really wanted me to just to come and say to you today is that discipline is his nature. That discipline isn't just something that he does. It's something that he is. It's, it is his nature to discipline. He is a God of order. He is a God that is holy. He is a God that is righteous and that is set apart. He's a guy who, he's, he's a God who created, he's not a guy, he's a God who created right and wrong. And he actually is a God of discipline. Like, there's a reason he calls himself Father. 
that multiple times in Scripture he compares himself to an earthly father, even in what we just read. He said, he said what, what child doesn't have a father who disciplines them? Then he goes on to say, submit to your heavenly father, who is the father of your spirit. How much more should we submit to the heavenly father? Like, he, he uses this language because what he wants to get across is that he's dad, he's boss. Is he loving? Oh my gosh, yes. Is he kind? More than you could ever imagine. Is he long-suffering? Yes. Longer than long-suffering. Faithful, you bet. But is he a disciplinarian? Yes. He is. <clears throat> and I, I know this is going to seem heavy, but I, I, the reason I, I want to make a distinction between God it being in his nature and not just something that he does is because of this. If you are unwilling to receive his discipline, you're not just rejecting something that he does, you're rejecting a part of who he is. If, if, you, if you're saying no and you are resistant to his discipline, you're not just resisting something that he, that he wants to do in your life, you're actually resisting him. You're resisting a part of his nature. You're resisting a part of his being. You're resisting a part of who he is and what he can actually bring to your life. Did you know that his discipline, you know what it leads to? Holiness. It says that his discipline leads to you sharing in his holiness. You know what else it leads to? A peaceful harvest of right living. Come on, that just sounds nice. <laughs> that sounds good. I want a peaceful harvest of right living. I want who I already am in Christ to actually start, being, actually start being walked out in my everyday life. Hear me today, you are already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of the blood of Jesus, because of everything that he did for you. But there is a process of sanctification and salvation where you actually begin to live out who you already are. You say, that seems upside down, that doesn't make sense. Exactly. That's the kingdom. The kingdom is you believe first and then your actions follow. Not I have to act it and then I'll believe I actually am. Come on, can I preach a little bit? You want to start living right? You want to start actually li living a righteous life? It starts with you believing you already are. You want to start living a victorious life? It starts with you believing you already are victorious. It comes from a place of belief. Right believing leads to right actions, amen? But eventually, the goal is right living. Like, you're not going to be a good witness if you walk around dropping F-bombs all the time. You might still be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but you're still saying the F-word. That might lead a couple of people to Christ, but probably the vast majority eh, might be just what someone needs to hear. No, okay. <clears throat> it's like, is he saying we can say the F-word? Maybe. No, um, we'll have a separate conversation. I'm joking. You probably shouldn't. You shouldn't say it, okay? You shouldn't. I'll have hard, hard no. <clears throat> but the discipline, it, it actually leads to right living. And I want to, I want to receive every, every part of who he is. He said, man, he said, like, like, 
the fact that I discipline you and that I correct you as dad actually shows you're a legitimate child. I wouldn't be the father that I am if I didn't correct and if I didn't dis- discipline you. It is who he is. Now, I, I want to, I know this can seem heavy and can seem a little bit hard, but I, I'm really what I'm wanting to portray to you today and encourage you with is like we, we have to realize as believers, we have to put the proper amount of weight and seriousness to his discipline in our life. How do I know that? Because I've experienced not doing that. You know what a lot of times I think that, that we as believers we do when he disciplines or he brings a corrective word? We, this is just true, we take it more like a strong suggestion than a commandment. It's like, hey, I, you should stop gossiping. Like, yeah, yeah you're right, yeah, probably, I, that's... I heard the Lord say I should probably stop gossiping. I should probably stop gossiping. But gosh, have you heard about so-and-so? They are an idiot. And, and we, we make light of the voice of God in our life. We make light of his correction. We make light of his discipline. I've experienced it. I've done it. Not only that, Scripture literally tells us, don't make light. If you would pull that Scripture up in verse 5, don't make light, my child, of the Lord's discipline. Why? Why is it that that's actually in Proverbs and then repeated by the writer of Hebrews? Why is it repeated in Scripture? Why has it, why, why it needed to be said? Because we make light of the Lord's discipline. Therefore, I just need you to know, don't make light of it. So today, I'm not trying to bring, ju- this is not the law. I'm not talking judgment. I'm not talking like, you know, hellfire and brimstone message. That's not what this is. But what it is, is it is assigning the proper weight of the Lord's voice in our life. I want you to do something this week. I want you to go read Hebrews chapter 12. Because if you'll continue uh, in, this, in this passage, the writer of Hebrews he already kind of lays the hammer. You know, he already kind of lays the wood like, like the Lord corrects those he loves. He punishes those that he loves. He uses the word punish, which I don't really all the way know what to deal with, to do with that. Discipline, like strengthen your weak knees, take a new grip. It's like he already kind of gets after you. But then you know what he actually goes on to do? He actually gives you an analogy, gives us an analogy. And he, and he begins to explain to us um, <clears throat> He brings up the story of the Israelites going to Mount Sinai. Now, this is when they go there and Moses goes up to get the Ten Commandments. And what you find is if you go back and read that story, God gave a commandment. He gave, he, he gave some direction. He said, do not touch this mountain or you will die. He said, if an animal touches it, you need to stone the animal. Nothing can touch this mountain while I'm up here. Okay, so kind of serious. We kind of put that as like a 10 out of 10, serious, right? And, and the, the writer of Hebrews goes on to explain that. And then he says, but for you, that's me and you. He says, you haven't come to a physical mountain. You've come to a spiritual one, a heavenly one, Mount Zion. It is, it is where, where you, you are joining the, the likes of angels, where the sprinkled blood of Jesus covers your sin. So this is, this, is the, 
the people you are a part of. And I think what he's really trying to do here, he's, he's, he's talking about discipline and he's making sure that we all understand he's not talking law. He's reminding us that, that we are a part of a new covenant. However, he says this in verse 25. He's used these two examples. You got Israelites there, you got us here. So now we have Jesus. They had Moses, we have Jesus. And then he goes on in verse 25 and he says, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one, capital O, Jesus. Be careful you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. I just wanted to come here today and say that's in your Bible. That's right there, all up in the New Testament, not the Old Testament. It's right smack dab in the middle of the New. Isn't it interesting that he uses that language? He goes on to say, you've heard this one, that our God is a consuming, devouring fire. It's like, dang, writer of Hebrews, probably Paul. We don't know who you are, but dang. I want to talk about gangster. I read a commentary from, I think it was Tony Evans, about that last part about being the devouring fire. And he said, he said, some of you will get up tomorrow morning and you will press a hot iron to your clothes. You will iron your clothes. But the goal of the hot iron is not to burn up your clothes, but to get out every wrinkle. It's to clean you up. There is a part of God that cleans us up. <laughs> Why? Because he actually desires that we share in his holiness. We share in his righteousness. Not because of our works, oh, but because we've tapped into the one who's already done the work. And, and out of that place, out of that motivation, we want to look like him. We want to talk like him. We want to be holy like him. We want to love like him. And you know where a lot of that stuff gets burnt up? You want to know where a lot of that stuff gets out of your life? It is in the discipline and in the correction and in the pruning of the Lord. It is who he is. You know, I think, this will, I think this has the ability to bring a lot of clarity to your life. You know, people who don't understand that this is a part of God have a tendency to get really, really confused in the moments where he's pruning and when he's disciplining. They're just like, what's going on? What did I do wrong? Why is my life like this? Why is it so hard? I just want to like, be like, because <clears throat> God, he's disciplining you. He's, cor he's correcting you. He's not okay with that sin that's still in your life. He loves you. He forgives you. He's still not okay with it. He doesn't want, he, why? Because he loves you and he knows that sin leads to death. He doesn't want you to, he doesn't want to lead to any death in your life. He wants righteousness. He wants light. He wants life. He wants purity because he knows that is the greatest place you could ever live from. And so out of his love, he comes and he disciples and he corrects. See, the truth is, Scripture tells us, um, it doesn't tell us to enjoy discipline. It uses another E word, 
Endure. Endure divine discipline. And then just in case you didn't understand, it says because it's painful. <laughs> oh, cool. Got it. And we got to be careful that we don't associate every single thing that's painful with the enemy. Just because it's painful doesn't mean it's not God. Just because he brings you into a season that tests your faith and you realize you don't have as much faith as you thought you did. Doesn't mean the enemy, it's the enemy. It may be God saying, hey, I love you so much to reveal this to you so that you would grow in this area of your life. I love you this much so you'll grow in your parenting because not only do you need it, but your kids need it. I love you this much to grow in your, as a husband or grow as a wife because uh, uh, your, your husband or your wife actually needs the better you than you are right now. Your marriage will need to, to, to mature and to grow and get stronger and get tougher because of the thing that I've actually called you to. And where you're hanging out right now, it just ain't going to cut it. You're going to have to have some more real conversations. You're going to have to come up. And why? Because there's a call on your life and you need to do this and that. And it's going to take you being stronger. Hear me today. I hated that day running in the freezing cold and laying down in the freezing cold grass. But it made me tougher. And the only way that we got tougher was by doing tough things. The only way that we got, that we, we knew where we could really go physically is by getting pushed to go to a place we've never been to physically. And almost, the same is true spiritually. And if in the, in the longer that you get to know God, you start to see this other side of him. You know, you know, in fact, this is the journey. I would argue that a lot of times we don't see this side of God until later on in our journey because, because he actually needs to establish his love and your identity in him first so you can handle when he corrects. See, when he corrects, it's proof that you're still son. When he corrects, it's proof that you're still daughter. But for some of us, we have, we're so weak in our soul, we can't handle the correction because when we hear the correction, it feels like, oh, we're not daughter anymore. Oh, we're not accepted anymore. Oh, he must not love us if he corrects me and disciplines me that way. And the, and the, the, the warning I would give to you today is that when you don't understand this about God, you won't hear him that way. And you'll miss out on his discipline and you'll miss out on his correction. And you don't want to. You don't want to miss out on that. Because he's growing something in you. And he's maturing something in you. Oh my gosh. I mean, like, like all of a sudden scriptures start to come to life. Oh, I have to lose my life to find it. Guess what's painful? Losing your life. It's not fun. And just when you think you've lost it, you have it. It's like he reveals something else. He's like, can I have that too? Man, I thought I was going this direction. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I know you thought that. <laughs> that was cute. Will you lay it down? Will you lay it down? Oh, 
I'm going to make you the father of many nations. First son, let's go sacrifice him. What, God? This makes no sense. Yep, walk him up the hill. We're going to do this whole thing. And all of a sudden, he provides the lamb. You'll be surprised at what he will provide when you lean into his discipline and his ways and his correction. When you lean into his voice, sometimes the very thing that you thought you were giving up, he'll give right back to you. But here's the catch. You can't do it hoping you get it back. <laughs> you just have to be willing to give it. What, what am I explaining? I'm explaining discipline. I'm explaining the correction of the Lord. I, it, it is, it's not, he, like, it's not like you should be like, oh my gosh, Lord. And you kind of, no, come boldly into the throne room of grace. But man, he will come to you in your life. I remember, um, I actually began to ask the Lord, like, Lord, when, what's a good example of your discipline in my life? Like, when have you disciplined me over the years? And then I kind of just laughed because he, he pretty much said, oh, almost every time you've opened the word. I'm like, oh, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> you kind of know what you're talking about. <laughs> but every time I open scripture, most times, there is not just like, oh, I got this new revelation. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I should probably stop doing that. I should probably start doing this. And it just and it tweaks and it corrects and it just brings a little bit of discipline here and there. It doesn't feel harsh. It doesn't feel like he's punishing me. It's just, it's just correcting, hey, go this way. It's a, what a loving father does. I remember... This moment in, in, in our marriage where um, just as a pastor, you know, I, I meet a lot of people, a lot of coffees, um, staff meetings, all the things, talking a lot, <laughs> a lot of words all the time, a lot of listening. And there, a lot of my life is like listening to people, hearing the Lord, trying to say things that I know I'm supposed to say, but like saying the truth in love and then like being challenged to like, sometimes you need to drop the hammer on somebody and let them know. And sometimes you need to like say it in a way where they'll come to their own conclusions that, oh, oh I kind of hear what he's saying. And it's this, this ebb and flow of leading people. And I noticed pretty early on, like when I came home to Natalie, it was like, I just wanted to not do that. And we would, we would get in fights because I would just be rude. I just wasn't nice. I wasn't saying necessarily mean things. It wasn't what I said. It was the way that I said it. And I was just kind of a jerk, you know? And I, and I, but I was telling her, I'm like, I'm like, babe, like, I need this place. I need my home to be a place where I can just say what I need to say because I got to watch my words everywhere else. Like, just assume that I'm awesome. Assume that I love you and let me just flip and talk. I really believe that was right. I really believe, ah, eh, you're the problem, not me. Never said it, but that's what I thought. And one day I'm studying and happen to be putting together a message on the power of our words. Reading James 3. And a man can control his tongue. He can control every part of his being. That life and death are in, the, are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. And it was like all of a sudden I had this moment where I'm like, oh, so you believe 
There's life and death in the power of your tongue, just not when you talk to your wife. <laughs> and that's some of those moments you're like, oh, all right. All right, Lord. <laughs> what happened? Discipline. What happened? Correction. What happened? The love of the Father. That as a husband, I was believing a lie and leading my family in a wrong direction. Would it have led to hell and some horrible thing? No. But it was a little thing and he said, hey, no, no, no. You don't get, in fact, if there's one place you need to be loving and you need to be watching your words, it's there with her. Because all the people you're pastoring, they will one day be long gone and she won't be. I'll probably run them off at some point. <clears throat> but the point was that his discipline and his correction came. And I didn't feel like it was harsh at all. And it helped. It produced a peaceful harvest of right living. Amen. I want to encourage you to do two things practically to jump into the Lord's discipline in your life. Um, we're, we're, we're about to launch into our home churches. I really want to encourage you to get involved in our home churches. You're like, well, what does that have to do with discipline? Guess, guess where... Guess, guess where the, the, the root word of discipline comes from? It comes from the word disciple. We believe that, that you are made as a disciple, you are discipled in homes. I believe, not just our home churches, I believe this across the board, that discipleship happens at tables. Discipleship happens in small circles. It happens in homes. It's what we believe as a church. Yeah, there's a form of discipleship that's happening right now, and it's great and it's good, but the deep stuff, how this message is hitting you personally right now, it happens in the home. And if you want the, if you, if you, if you say, man, I want the discipline of the Lord, I wanna lean into that side of his nature, one of the ways you can really do that is get involved in our home churches where you will meet church, home church pastors that, that you can come to and that if you're open, they'll actually bring some correction Say, man, I don't really, I don't think that's right. I think you should be doing this or I think you should be going this way or you should be treating your husband this way. Oh my gosh, that is where it's at. <laughs> that's where it's at. And probably more importantly than that, I wanna, I wanna encourage you with this. The thing that will bring the most discipline in your life is not just people and spiritual leaders like I do like in home churches, but it's the word of God. Remember, this is the year of the sword, the year of the word of God. It is a prophetic word over our ministry. Look at what 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, and we'll close. It says, all scripture is inspired by God, the Father, and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us. It disciplines us. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Oh, but look at the promise. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.